Our general election is just over a week away. And as we go to the voting booth, we need to do so wise as serpents, yet innocent as doves. Stay tuned. Graceful Truth with Pastor Steve Converse is up next as we take a look at what it means to be politically incorrect. From Grace Bible Church in Redwood City, this is Graceful Truth with Pastor Steve Converse. Greetings in Christ and welcome to our time together today. Our message is simply entitled Politically Incorrect. And we're going to God's Word, nowhere else, to see what our Christian mandate is when it comes to our elections, our political cycle, and what our involvement as Christians should be in all of this and why. Please join us for a very insightful look into God's Word as we consider what it means to be involved in the political process from a Christian perspective. Here's Pastor Steve Converse with today's broadcast of Graceful Truth. At this time in American history, let me give you three values that are on the top of the list. Three values, very quickly. The first one is the value of human life. The value of human life. As a Christian, I believe that life is precious. Life is miraculous. It's sacred. It's created by a loving God who makes every human being unique. So many things have to line up exactly perfect for a human life to be conceived and to be born. King David prayed this, My bones, in Psalm 139, My bones were not hidden from you when I was made in secret. When I was formed in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw me when I was formless. All my days were written in your book and planned before a single one of them began. God is the author and the artist of human life. He's the one who creates us. He's the one who forms us, who fashions us. Life made in the image of God is also a fundamental human right. Let me remind you what the Declaration of Independence says. All men are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. Among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. I don't think they just kind of rolled the dice and said, well, which one of these should we put first? No, they said life is that underlying fundamental human right. Then liberty, then pursuit of happiness. Life is the first God-given right of every human being. If you don't have life, you certainly can't enjoy liberty or pursue happiness. Unfortunately, in America today, our God-given right to life has been undermined by a culture of death. Every day in America, more innocent human beings are put to death than those who died in the 9-11 attacks. Abortion ends the lives of more than what's over 1.3 million unborn children in America every year. Can you imagine that? Not just people, not just adults, children, innocent little babies that are yet in the mother's womb, the place that is supposed to be safe. Nearly 25% of all pregnancies end in abortion, and the overwhelming majority of those innocent children are simply sacrificed on the altar of convenience, I like to say. Nearly 50 million babies and counting have been killed by abortion. I'm sure the number is much greater now. I mean, it's a holocaust in our own culture. And somehow we just kind of accept it. Proverbs 24, 11 to 12 says, Rescue those being led away 
by death. Hold back those staggering towards slaughter. If you say we knew nothing about this, does not he who weighs the heart perceive it? Does not he who guards your life know it? Will he not repay each person according to what he has done? See, we need to stand up. We need to rise up. We need to speak out. We need to take some action. Why? Because simply abortion is wrong. It's wrong because it's it's against every biblical value principle that we can think of. It's premeditated murder. It violates the sixth commandment in, in Exodus chapter 20. God hates it. Proverbs 6, verses 16 and 17 says this, There are six things that the Lord hates. Seven are an abomination to him. A proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood. You don't think a little baby in the womb of a mother is innocent? And yet I hear so many Christians, Well, we can't make this election about abortion. Oh, yes, we can. And we should. Because it's a disgrace before a holy God. God hates the shedding of innocent blood. And his ears are filled with the cries of unborn being slain in this nation. But there will be a day of reckoning. We're already seeing it. I believe it's our duty as followers of Christ and citizens of America to find out where our candidates are, where they stand on the biblical value of life. You don't even have to ask what their positions are. It's pretty clear. Find out which candidates are aligned with the pro-abortion groups that are all for the tax-funded abortion provider Planned Parenthood. Find out how they vote on these kind of things, how they vote on the Born Alive Infant Protection Act or the Partial Birth Ban or the Freedom of Choice Act or the Embryonic Stem Cell Research, so forth. Find out what their, their positions are and vote according to biblical values and principles. As believers, we ought to support that basic value of human life above what our tax policy might be or our energy policy or what the foreign policy might be, or any other policy. If we can't support the basic value of human life, boy, that's pretty sad. There's another value that I think is important, not just the value of human life, but the value of traditional family. The value that believes that marriage between one man and one woman for life is essential, it's basic, it's necessary for our society to continue. You have to understand the family is the basic building block of a society. It's the first institution created by God. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, it says, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. The two genders were meant to complete each other. Not just physically, but emotionally and in every other way. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 24, God further declares, For this reason a man will leave his father and his mother, and be united to his wife, and they will become one flesh. See, both genders are needed for a healthy home. This idea that you can just go have a baby by somebody that's not your husband and and be a single mom, and that's great for the child, that's not the case. Statistics prove it out. Dr. James Dobson notes this, more than 10,000 studies have concluded that kids do best when they are raised by a mother and a father. Bottom line. In both the Old Testament and the New Testament, one man, one woman in marriage, a covenant relationship for life, is the divine pattern. And when a marriage follows God's design, it's good for everybody involved. For the men, for the women, for the children, the community, the country, the world. Every civilization, think about this, in history is built upon the institution of marriage. It's the foundation. It's the underlying bedrock of any society. The welfare of children 
propagation of the faith, the well-being of society, the orderliness of civilization, all are dependent upon the stability of marriage according to the divine pattern. And when you have a government that undermines that God-given divine pattern, basically everything becomes unstable. The whole society, the whole superstructure of society just begins to rock and roll back and forth because it's unstable. Because the foundation of the family has been eroded. And it invites mere disaster. I mean, look at our society today. Just look at how it's changed in the last 10, 20 years. As these non-biblical values have kind of escalated. Heterosexuality is a divine pattern, beloved. Homosexuality is a deceptive perversion. It's just that simple. And, and just like, you know, the, 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 the value of human life, you know, I don't know who's here this morning. Maybe, maybe, you know, somebody here has experienced personally an abortion for whatever reason. I'm not here to condemn you. I'm here to point you to the grace of God that can restore you, that can heal that emotional scar. Only he can do that. The word of God, which does not err, is abundantly clear when it comes to homosexuality. Leviticus 18.22 says, You are not to sleep with a man as with a woman. It's detestable. Leviticus 20.13 says, If a man sleeps with a man as with a woman, they have both committed an, an abomination. Homosexuality is an abomination to God. I mean, that's the strongest biblical word for the denunciation of sin. It's the proof of which is in God's judgment upon Sodom and Gomorrah. You remember in the Old Testament? They were destroyed in a hail of fire and brimstone in Genesis 19. And some say, well, that's the Old Testament. Jesus never said anything against homosexuality. I've heard people say that. Jesus essentially condemned homosexuality by affirming the divine pattern for marriage. In Matthew chapter 19, verses 4 and 6, Jesus is quoting from Genesis 1 and 2. And he clearly states that marriage is between one man and one woman. And that what God has joined together, let no man separate. So if if Jesus said marriage is between one man and one woman, it follows the logical conclusion that marriage cannot be between two men or two women. In affirming God's pattern for marriage, Jesus rejected the deceptive perversion of homosexuality. And this isn't something new. This has been around as long as there's been a society. Today, the divine pattern, that sacred institution of marriage, is under attack by the radical homosexual agenda. And they have their allies in the courts, and they're seeking to redefine marriage. Massachusetts, California, Connecticut, others have same-sex marriage. And we've seen how the courts just kind of overturn it. When the people vote it down, well, they just, you know, we voted for it. You know, we voted against it. Well, they just reverse it. Not up to you. What damage could be done by the courts allowing two consenting adults of the same gender to join in a relationship and sanction known as marriage. I mean, what's the big deal? Well, you don't have to look too far. If you go over to the Scandinavian countries that basically have embraced de facto gay marriage back in the 90s, you see what's happening to their society. The vast majority of couples there are choosing to simply live together instead of getting married, figuring that if, if marriage means anything, then marriage means really nothing. In Norway, there are reports of upwards of 60 to 80 percent of firstborn children conceived out of wedlock. That whole experiment, the facts from that is just devastating. I mean, is that what we want for America? In Massachusetts, which has had same-sex marriage by court order, I think, since 2003, 
Consider the impact on the public school children. In one elementary school, a transsexual was invited into the first grade class to give details of his operation. In another elementary school, children were assigned to play gays in a school skit. Two girls were told to hold hands and pretend to be lesbians. One boy's line was, it's natural to be attracted to the same sex. Lexington, Massachusetts school treated their second graders to a book entitled King and King which is a colorful 29-page children's book in which a prince searches for a wife only in the end to choose another prince. And the story ends in this fashion, with the two princes marrying and living happily ever after. On the last page, the princes, now king, the princes, now kings, even share a kiss. This was read to seven-year-olds. Writing in the leading homosexual magazine, The Advocate, lesbian author Patricia Neal Warren said this, It is the first fact of civilization. Whoever captures the kids owns the future. So do we really want this homosexual agenda pushed on our children? Consequently, where a candidate stands on protecting the value of traditional marriage is absolutely critical. Find out where these candidates are aligned. If they're aligned with pro-homosexual groups like Human Rights Campaign or GLAAD, any of those, you might want to compare that to what the Bible says and vote on biblical values. Find out where the candidates stand on Defense of Marriage Act or on the state marriage amendments or the federal marriage amendment to the U.S. Constitution. Find out where they stand on traditional values, traditional family, life, family. And then the last thing here this morning is the value of religious freedom. The value of religious freedom. Freedom is inspiring, it's liberating, and it's priceless. That's why so many people are trying to get into our country to live here. Because we live in a free nation. Galatians 5.1 says, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. See, freedom is something that we have to guard. We have to protect it. It has to be defended. True freedom only comes at a great cost, at a price, at a sacrifice. Ask anyone who's served in our military, and they'll tell you it's a sacrifice. They don't get paid a lot. That's why it's called, I always tell my my son-in-law when, or my daughter, when, when they're saying, oh, we don't get hardly anything in pay. So that's why it's called military service. <laughs> they don't want you there just for the money. True freedom comes at a great cost. And that's not only true spiritually with the death of Christ to set us free from the slavery of sin, but it's also true nationally. I mean, you, you really have to understand that we are engaged in a war against this Islamo-fascist terrorism that is just wreaking havoc in all parts of the world. And you see how our own government is beginning, well, they just apologize, they apologize, they apologize, thinking that maybe if they're nice to these people, eventually they'll, you know, um, hold hands and play Ring Around the Rosie or something. I don't know. I don't know what they're thinking. They have one goal in mind. It's the downfall of America and everything it stands for and the downfall of Israel. I mean, there's no excuse, there's no substitute here for victory in this area, especially because the alternative is just unthinkable. The fight for freedom is never won. It's ongoing. And we must fight to win it. And then we must fight to keep it. And we must continue to fight. And that fight has gone on for over 200 some years. See, that's why we honor the brave, the intrepid souls who serve in our, our military and never let their sacrifices be in vain. One of the most basic freedoms fought for and won is found in the First Amendment. It says this, Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. Beloved, our our religion is under fire today in America. I mean, you can't tear a page out of a Koran without 
people going crazy all over the world, but they can put a crucifix in a jar of urine and call it art. It's just staggering. One of the most basic freedoms that we have is the freedom of religion. The U.S. Supreme Court has ignored the original intent of the founding fathers. They trashed four centuries of America's Judeo-Christian heritage and turned a statement in one of Thomas Jefferson's private letters on its head in declaring a two-way wall of separation between church and state. The result was this. Religious influences must be removed from public institutions. The high court outlawed public prayer in the schools in 1962. Outwent the public Bible reading in 1963. And in 1980 came down the Ten Commandments from the schoolhouse walls. See, this agenda is agenda of radical secularization. And it's not only been zealously prosecuted by the active this courts that we have, but by extension, the various public entities, school boards, educators, teachers. See, today in America, unfortunately, if you have faith, you may not be allowed to have freedom. Liberals in Congress have passed hate crimes, and this law elevates the sinful sexual lifestyle of 3% of our population to the level of a civil right, ignoring the fact that those who oppose homosexuality on biblical grounds will eventually be silenced or threatened with prosecution. You don't believe me, a Methodist camp in New Jersey lost its tax exemption status for refusing to allow two lesbians to have a same-sex ceremony on the property. A Christian couple who runs a photography business declined to photograph a same-sex commitment ceremony and were charged with sexual orientation discrimination and had to pay over $6,000 in attorney fees. The California Supreme Court demanded that doctors with religious objections to lesbian households must nonetheless assist lesbian women in artificially conceiving a child. A New York public school told a kindergarten student that she could not pray over her lunch. God is great. God is good. Let us thank him for our food. Federal court ruled that when a student asks, the teacher cannot answer whose birthday is being celebrated on Christmas. Crazy. I mean, it's just surreal almost. A public school teacher confiscated two middle school students' Bibles, called them garbage, and threw them into a trash can. Got in a lot of trouble, by the way, for doing that, but she did it. The Third Circuit Court ruled in that a New Jersey high school coach cannot kneel and bow his head because the court doesn't want his posture to be misconstrued as prayer. See, our First Amendment freedom of religion is under vicious attack. Maybe it hasn't affected you in any way, but it definitely has affected lots of people. And it's kind of flying under the radar. George Washington, in his farewell address, said this, Of all the dispositions and habits which lead to public prosperity, religion and morality are indispensable supports. In vain would that man claim the tribute of patriotism, who should labor to subvert these great pillars of human happiness, these firmest props of the duties of men and citizens. Nobody ought to claim to be a good citizen. A patriot who takes Christianity out of culture or out of government is not a good citizen. Where a candidate stands on religious freedom and particularly on judicial philosophy is absolutely critical to our ability to continue to have the freedom that we enjoy in our daily lives. So be careful and find out which candidates are aligned with groups like the ACLU or the Americans for Separation of Church and State who basically want to remove all expressions of religion. And we've seen that. You've seen that over the years. Find out which candidates who are all for these, these hate crime laws or 
Employment Non-Discrimination Acts, which infringe on freedoms as Christians. Find out where they stand on the First Amendment right to religious freedom. So these are the, the, the top three values. Life, family, and freedom. Those are the values that, when I look at a candidate, I evaluate them by. Are we going to vote biblical values, or are we going to vote pocketbook promises? Are we willing to trade our godly heritage and priceless birthright in this nation for what amounts to Esau's quick bowl of beans? Are we willing to set aside the values of life, family, and freedom in favor of some of these lesser issues? That's what it comes down to. Just imagine the difference Bible-believing Christians can make on the moral health of a country the character of its leadership, the direction of a nation, if we simply live our values and vote our values. So let us not let evil men triumph simply because good men have done nothing. Let's seize the moment, rise to the challenge. Take the bold stand for life, family, and freedom this election. Let's pledge anew that our allegiance is not to the culture or to a campaign, but to Christ alone, to what would honor and glorify him. Jesus said this in John 10.10, I have come that you might have life and that you may have it abundantly. And he also said he is the way, the truth, and the life. He came to make things right between us and God. He came to restore that relationship between a holy God and a sinful man. The Bible says in John 8.36, beloved, that whom the Son has set free, he is free indeed. Maybe you don't agree with everything I said here this morning, but I pray that you would agree with one thing. Maybe only one thing, that we're all sinners and we all need the grace of God. We all need the forgiveness for our sin because we can't seem to forgive ourselves. We can't seem to pay the debt that we owe. And the good news today, beloved, for you is that Christ already paid that debt. He paid that debt through the the sacrifice of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. God paid that debt for us. And so when we look at the cross and we put our faith and our trust in a salvation that is freely given to us. Even though it costs Christ and God dearly, it's given to us. And we look at our lives and we realize that we're sinners and we need a Savior. See, that's the first step. If you're sitting here this morning and you don't understand that basic principle, and just think, have you ever told a lie? Have you ever taken anything irrespective of its value from someone? Have you ever had a lustful thought or an evil deed? All those things are considered sin before a holy God. And Christ came to pay the price for your sins. Let's close in a word of prayer. Father, we pray this morning, Lord, as we realize that politics and religion often don't mix, but Lord, you've called us to stand up for what is right and what is true and what is biblical. What is a value that would honor and glorify you? And Lord, we think of our country and we think of the freedom that we have here in this wonderful nation. Lord, we realize it's not because of politics. It's a God-given, it's a God-granted freedom. And even though our our nation is far from perfect, downright living in a, in a way that is totally dishonoring to you for the most part. Your grace still extends. We still enjoy these freedoms each and every day. Lord, I pray that we wouldn't just take that for granted. And Lord, when Election Day comes here in a couple of weeks and we enter that, that place of voting, Lord, that we would vote what would honor you. Vote for biblical values. I also pray that we'd be reminded to pray for those in authority over us. Lord, we pray for our President Barack Obama. We pray for his salvation. We pray that you would touch him in a fresh way. Lord, that you would show him that it's not all about just being president and being the power, most powerful man in the world. Lord, just like every other man, he needs a Savior. And Lord, we, we pray for his family. Pray for his girls that you protect them. Pray for our Vice President, Joe Biden, and his family. Lord, we think of others who serve you. Think of 
Mitt Romney and, and just the being on the campaign trail and all that's involved in that. We pray for him and his family and Paul Ryan and others, Lord, who serve in, in Washington. Lord, I pray that you would somehow speak to these men's heart, that you would show them that power is not an end-all. Lord, that they need, they need a Savior just like everybody else. That somehow someone would be able to reach them with the glorious gospel. That somehow you would take the blinders off their eyes. That they would come to Christ afresh. And Father, we pray for our nation as a whole. Lord, we, we see it going downhill. So Lord, we pray that you would just restore our faith, not in our government, but in you as our Savior and as our Lord. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Well, it is our prayer here at Graceful Truth that God would reveal his grace to your hearts through the teaching of his word each week. We trust you're currently involved in a Bible teaching church in your area. If not, we'd love to have you come and visit us here at Grace Bible Church in Redwood City. We meet each Sunday morning for our praise and worship service at 10 a.m. We offer nursery care and Sunday school classes for our children up to grade five. If you'd like to encourage us here at Graceful Truth, please give us a call at Grace Bible Church here in Redwood City. This is our phone number, 650-366-9923. Again, that's 650-366-9923. Or you can visit us on the web at gracefultruth.org. We've got a lot of resource materials available there, more information about who we are. And if you need a map to visit us at Grace Bible Church, that's there as well. Again, gracefultruth.org. And would you please drop us an email? Let us know you paid us a visit when you stop by. Again, gracefultruth.org. Or give us a call at 650-366-9923. Again, that's 650-366-9923. We thank you for joining us today and trust we'll see you again next week at this same time for another broadcast of Graceful Truth. Graceful Truth.